Hey, what's up? It's your boy, Corey Deanna Lewis, founder of The Healthy Project and host of The Healthy Project Podcast. My mission is to bring awareness to health and wellness concerns that are impacting our communities. On this podcast, you'll learn strategies to improve your health from health professionals from around the world that are trying to make an impact in people's lives. Enjoy. Hello, everybody. Thank you for listening to the Healthy Project Podcast. I am your host, Corey Dion Lewis. Uh, I have a great guest in the building today, board certified dermatologist, founder and director of the USC Skin of Color and Pigmentary Disorder Program. We have Dr. Nada Ebuluk. Uh, Dr. Ebuluk, thank you so much for being on today. I really appreciate it. Yes, thank you for having me. Excited to be here. Yeah. So, you know, before we get this get started and really talking about you know, uh, skin cancer and all that good stuff, you know, tell me a little bit more about yourself and and what gets you up in the morning. Yeah. So that's a great question. So I'm a board certified dermatologist, as you mentioned, I practice medical and procedural dermatology, but my niche area of expertise is in skin of color dermatology and, um, pigmentary disorders. And so my clinical and research focus is really in those areas. Um, one of the other hats that I wear is I also am founder and director of our diversity and inclusion program. And so I'm very passionate about um, improving health equity, improving diversity within medicine, um, and improving the delivery of health care to all patients and particularly our marginalized minority population. Man, that's, that, that's, a, that's awesome. That's a lot of work on your shoulders, it sounds, it sounds like. Yes, it's, it's, you know, it can be challenging work, but it's important work. And it's, um, it's motivating work, because you're really helping people in a meaningful way. And, you know, in dermatology, we are unfortunately one of the least diverse specialties in medicine. Um, Only about 3% of dermatologists are black and 4% are Hispanic. So we do not have enough dermatologists of color, which is something that we're actively working on um, through multiple different initiatives and programs. But in the meantime, we have to make sure that all dermatologists are delivering culturally competent care. And so we really are trying to improve skin of color education and training so that anybody can go see a dermatologist. um, And even if they're not of the same racial or ethnic background, can feel that they're getting adequate, um, appropriate, appropriate and competent care. Man, that is so important, especially for, you know, these days where patients aren't really feeling comfortable going to the, the doctor. And when you think about it, you know, when they, when they don't, when they come from different cultures, you're not aware of the differences as a provider, that could be scary for a patient to really put that trust when they don't really understand where they're coming from. Absolutely. And I see it all the time. I have a lot of patients of color who see me who say either, A, they went to somebody years ago and they didn't have a good experience, so they never went back again. Or B, they never even, you know, went to see a dermatologist because they didn't feel that they would be heard or understood correctly. Um, And then third is sometimes people don't even know when it's appropriate to see a dermatologist. You know, people sometimes, you know, they don't know that we do skin, hair and nails. They think that dermatologists only do skin. So they end up, you know, sometimes waiting until stuff is much more progressed or advanced before they realize that, oh, I need to utilize dermatology as a specialty and go see somebody um, because we're here. We're here to, you know, help diagnose and treat all these things and ideally 
you know, catch things at early stages. So I think as a specialty, we have to continue to do more outreach um, to minority communities as well. Right. And, and that leads to my next question or my first question. Sorry. People of color are often diagnosed with skin cancer at an advanced stage when it develops. Why is this the case? Yeah, so it's a great question. And I think the answer is multifactorial. So one of the problems is that I think there's a myth that perpetuates skin of color communities that they think they don't get skin cancer. And so they don't use sunscreen. um, They don't check their skin for skin cancer. And they don't ever see a dermatologist oftentimes. So that's part of the problem right there is just a, a misunderstanding and misconception of, you know, the fact that this can even happen in communities of color. And I often like to give the example of Bob Marley to my patients, um, which many people don't know that he passed away from melanoma. He had a form of melanoma called acral melanoma, which represents a larger percentage of the melanomas that happen in skin of color. And he initially, they thought it was like a soccer bruise. And so, you know, he ignored it for a while. And by the time they diagnosed it as melanoma, they told him he needed a toe amputation. And he didn't want to get that. And unfortunately, it became metastatic and took his life at the age of 36, which is really tragic because it's something that, again, when caught early, can be surgically treated um, and you can preserve somebody having a a fairly normal or close to normal um, life expectancy. So I think that's one one big issue, Um, you know, that them not knowing about it also leads to them presenting at later stages. So by the time that they do come in, unfortunately, often it's more progressed, it's at a later stage. And so that means that the prognosis is often worse. Um, And then I think the third thing is looking at it from the provider side. I think that not all providers know how to appropriately detect and diagnose skin cancer and skin of color. So, you know, for providers that haven't had experience in seeing skin of color, they don't realize sometimes that skin cancer doesn't always look the same in darker skin. You know, there are certain types of skin cancer that can look totally different in a lighter skin versus a darker skin person. So again, if that provider isn't trained and doesn't have the eye to pick up those nuances of how it can look different, they can also miss it, even if they're seeing the patient, because in their head, they're not realizing this could be a skin cancer and, you know, it needs to be biopsied. Wow. Well, and and I remember I read an article on prevention.com that that you wrote or you're part of or have a quote in. Uh, and you mentioned that skin cancer can present differently depending on your skin tone. Could you elaborate a little bit on that? Yeah. So I'll give you an example. So, I mean, the, the three common types of skin cancer that we talk about are basal cells, squamous cell, and melanoma. Melanoma tends to be the most serious of them in terms of morbidity and mortality. Um, but basal cell, which is a fairly common skin cancer, affects roughly one in five people in life in their lifetime, um, can look totally different in a lighter or darker skin person. So in a, a fair skinned um, white person, it can look like what we describe it medically as a pink curly papule. So basically like a, a smooth, shiny pink bump. It can have some blood vessels coursing through it. That same basal cell diagnosis in a dark-skinned person can look completely different. It can be flat. It can be brownish in color um, with no pink, no pink or redness. You may not see any blood vessels coursing through it. Um, Sometimes it can be ulcerative. And in darker-skinned people, they often have a variant called pigmented basal cell carcinoma where there's some darker color to it. 
So again, if you don't see all these different morphologies and presentations of basal cell across different skin types, you really can easily miss it. And unfortunately, you know, our textbooks are behind the times because many textbooks do not have adequate representation of these different conditions and different skin types. Um, you know, and we're working to address that too by, you know, publishing more books and also encouraging books and journals that are out there to make their images and content representative. So I think that, um, you know, that's, pro that's a good example of one that just, again, often can get missed and um, delayed because of a difference in presentation. So it's safe to say that somebody could go to the doctor. This can be totally missed because the doctor is not, they're looking for a certain specific type of something. And then Correct. that person could just be like, all right, well, I'm good. And just not think right. about it for a long time. Totally. I mean, someone could, if, if in their head, they're thinking a basal cell is only a pink curly papule and they're seeing a darker skinned person that has a brown scaly patch. Well, there's a disconnect. They're not thinking that can even be a basal cell if they've never seen that presentation of it, right? Because a lot of our textbooks basically show what it looks like in light skin as the classic presentation, but that's not classic necessarily in darker skin. So you're right. I mean, that's the scary and concerning thing is sometimes someone even does go to the doctor, but if that's not in the differential of the things that the doctor could be any healthcare provider um, seeing them, then it can still be missed for too long. Are there any actionable or what are the actionable steps people of color can take uh, to prevent and, and check for skin cancer? They're on their own. Yeah. So I think I tell all my patients who come to see me for skin exams, it's good to look at your skin once a month, see if anything is growing, changing, symptomatic, like if it's bleeding or itching or acting in a way that it didn't used to. And if you notice that you need to bring it up to your doctor, um, you know, and you can bring it up to your primary care doctor, um, you know, and you should have a dermatologist. I think everybody should have a dermatologist. I know that it's not easy in all areas of the country where sometimes uh, people aren't as accessible, but I think it's important to have one that you go see at least once a year to get a full body skin exam. Um, you know, a lot of people, when they think of skin of cancer, they aren't thinking of skin cancer. You know, people are thinking of breast and lung and, you know, colon cancer, um, you know, and there have been a lot of public health campaigns, um, you know, which are important definitely to bring attention to these cancers. But I think people need to realize skin cancer is the most common cancer of all cancers. Um, and your skin is your largest organ. And it often, unfortunately, gets ignored, right? Because people are, you know, busy with life or worrying about other health issues. Um, but, you know, your, your skin is one that you don't want to ignore. And, you know, there, the acral melanoma, that subtype that I mentioned, happens more in terms of a, the greater percentage of the melanomas in people of color. Some of those are not related to sun exposure. So, you know, and they happen in places that people don't think of. So those happen on palms, soles of your feet and nails. And those are not places that people think are places that you can get skin cancer. So there might be uh, a brown sort of growth there and someone might think nothing of it, right? But um, those need to be looked at. You know, sometimes they there are benign moles and, and variants of things, but there can also be acral melanoma. So really important to be checking your skin. Look, if you're a person of color, for sure, look extra at your palm soles and nails see a dermatologist once a year and wear sun protection, you know, even though, like I said, a percentage are not related to, to sun um, exposure, some are, 
And so really important to, to do all of those things. Yeah. And that was my, that was a question I had when it comes to sunblock, is that something people should consider to wear year round? Is it just during certain parts of, of the year? Yeah. Year round. So I tell my patients, you want to wear an SPF 30 or higher sunscreen. Um, you want it to be broad spectrum. So that means UVA and UVB coverage. And a lot of bottles will say that. Um, and you want to wear it year round because, you know, no matter where you live, you're always getting some light of some sort. Um, even if you're living in a, a cold area, there's a misconception that if you're in a, you know, a snow top or ski resort, you're not getting sun. You're actually getting a lot of light and sun um, in those areas. So year round, you should wear it at least on the exposed areas, which often are your face, your top of your ears, your neck, top of the hands. If you live in a warm climate, that may also include arms and, and legs, depending on what's exposed. Um, you know, and I tell people that you know, sun protection has multiple benefits. Um, it protects you from skin cancer. It's also anti-aging because the sun contributes to fine lines and wrinkles. And for my darker skin patients prone to hyperpigmentation, which is our medical term for dark spots, it helps prevent those conditions from getting worse. So there's you know, multiple benefits to wearing it. Wow, I got I got I'm going to the store immediately. <laughs> <laughs> well, like most people, I, like, I, I only think about it during the summer summer season, you know, yeah. or when it's really hot outside. Yeah. And that's a big myth. You're not alone in thinking that. The other thing a lot of patients will tell me is I'll say, Do you wear sunscreen? And they say, When I go to the beach, or you know, they think of it only related to certain activities. If I go hiking or I go walking, um, but it really should be a daily part of your life. And during the pandemic, a lot of people tell me, well, I don't go outside much. And I tell them, well, you probably have windows in your home, right? You know, because UV even penetrates glass. And so, you know, we're all getting more than we think we are, um, even if you're not sort of basking in the sun all day. Are there dietary solutions or you know, what, what part of our diet, you know, can help or is an issue for skin cancer? Or is there any correlation there? Yeah, not a particular correlation um, that I'm aware of directly linking uh, diet and skin cancer. One thing I will bring up that comes up a lot with patients is vitamin D. And so I have patients will say, well, I like to just get some sun without sunscreen to get my vitamin D levels up, you know, and vitamin D is very important. It's very important that people have their vitamin D in a normal level. Um, for lots of reasons, you know, for your, your bone health, for your skin health, for your hair health. Um, it's involved in pigmentation. I mean, vitamin D is just powerful. It's involved in a lot of parts of your health. Um, but I tell people, even for that, you don't want to be getting sun without protection to try to get your vitamin D up. The appropriate thing to do is to get your vitamin D level checked once a year when you have your annual physical. And then if it's low, you can take oral supplementation and your doctor can guide you in terms of how much supplementation you need. But what we don't want is people baking in the sun and getting sunburns because they think that's the way that they need to get their vitamin D. Right. And I have noticed, and I don't know if this is why, but it's, it's interesting when you say that is, for example, when I see a patient in my office and I'm looking over their chart before they come in, I see a lot of vitamin D supplementations. Now it could be for something totally different. I, I don't, I don't know, but from what it sounds like is if you don't have a dermatologist telling you the reasons why, or why you should be getting the sun, people may be thinking they're doing all the right things and doing really not a whole lot for their cancer prevention. 
Right. And, you know, the thing is, too, just to kind of expand on this vitamin conversation is a lot of people because vitamins are over the counter, right? So Mm -hmm. they're not regulated by prescriptions. So people feel that they could just go to, you know, the vitamin store and just pick a whole bunch of stuff. And, you know, I'm shocked sometimes when I ask patients what they're taking and they've got a laundry list of vitamins and supplements. Mm -hmm. And people have to realize that it's not, you shouldn't be taking all those things without running it by a physician, because there are some things where you can take too much of something. And vitamin D is an example of that. You can actually take too much vitamin D and then end up at levels that are too high and that can have negative side effects. So, you know, not everything should just be taken as supplements um, sort of at will at any dosage without any monitoring. And some of these supplements and vitamins can even interact with medications you're on, They can also have other side effects. Something like vitamin E can prolong your bleeding times. You know, if you're on blood thinners, it can interact. So there's lots of stuff that people may not realize. They think because it's over the counter, it's it's safe to kind of take whichever ones and as many as they want. But again, something that you really need to discuss with your physician, because sometimes people are taking and they don't even need it. Right. So how do they have that conversation? So someone who may be listening to this, and would like a referral to a dermatologist or um, has questions about their, uh, you know, skin cancer prevention or, you know, and they don't really know how to ask their, their provider, you know, what are some of the, some of the common things they should be asking about, you know, and what should they be, be doing? So, I mean, I think a lot of people often see their primary care doctor first because they see them for their annual physical. And sometimes they end up seeing us only because they're referred by their primary. Um, You know, as I was saying earlier, I think it's good for everybody to have a dermatologist that they see at least once a year. And then if they have any other dermatologic issues, they're established with one. Um, I think it's appropriate to ask for a skin exam. Um, You know, we all do skin exams all the time. Um, And so that's a routine thing. And then you know, go in with your list of questions. If you have certain spots on your body that you don't know if they're normal or not, bring that up in the visit. Um, If there are things you're doing for your skin that you don't know if it's safe or not, bring that up as well. Um, You know, I think just kind of come in with your prepared list and let the dermatologist know from the beginning, these are my questions and concerns. And that's what we're here to do is address those issues, teach you about skin health and what you need to do, um, you know, to maintain your skin health. Great. Well, Dr. Ebula, thank you so much for being on with me today and, and sharing all this great information. For those who are listening that want to get a hold of you and learn more about you and connect with you, uh, where can they find you at? Yeah, so I'm on uh, Instagram um, at SkinDrNada, N-A-D-A um, is my handle. I'm on Twitter as well at DrNada E, um, also on LinkedIn. And uh, my profile information is also online if you just look. So, um, you know, happy to connect with um, broader community and, and share resources. Um, I, you know, the other thing I'll mention is that there are some wonderful resources online, our Skin of Color Society and our American Academy of Dermatology um, and another initiative I'm part of called Project Impact, which is working to improve health equity. All of these have great resources for patients. So if you just want to get, you know, good patient handouts, information on things, those are great online resources to use. Um, And there's directories too. Um, On the Skin of Color Society, um, there's a directory as well as Black Derm directory where you can find, if you're looking for a dermatologist of color in your area, you can also look there um, to try to connect with somebody local. 
Awesome. Well, hey, again, thank you so much for all that information. Thank you for your time. I really appreciated it. And um, everybody, thank you for listening. I'll holler at you next time.